Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. And once again, Merry Christmas to you and to those you love wherever you are at. From me, from my family, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Uh, when this episode is being released, Christmas will be just a couple days away. And so have a blessed time with family, with friends, with those you love. Uh, have a blessed time remembering Jesus and what God did for us and in through him. And that's what we're going to focus on on this particular episode. We have, over the last few weeks, just kind of been telling the story of the Bible leading up to Jesus. And this season, leading up to Christmas, is traditionally called Advent, and Advent refers to coming. And so it involves the idea of waiting for the coming of Messiah and for Thousands of years, the first time there was waiting and looking and watching, and now here we are still today waiting and watching and looking for him to return again. And so this is Advent. And so we've been just exploring that theme by telling the story of the Bible from the promise to Abraham all the way up to the coming of Jesus. And so we left off last weekend the story with Israel languishing in exile. They've been allowed to come home from exile, but they still are under foreign occupation and foreign oppression. And it's been that way now for almost 600 years. And that's where we arrive. And so the story of the Bible picks up at that point. And this is what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 4. Here's how he puts it. But when the fullness of time came, he says, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that is under the Jewish law, the Old Testament law, so that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we all might receive the adoption as sons and daughters of God. And so we arrive at this point in the story with Israel wondering and waiting and longing and praying and hoping and watching. It's the fullness of time. And so like a pregnant woman waiting for her time, History has now arrived at its time. It's time for Messiah to come, for the promise to Abraham to reach its uh, full, ultimate fulfillment, for Messiah to come. Uh, history has arrived at the day. I remember when my wife was pregnant with one of our kids, I was actually in class uh, teaching the book of Acts. So I'm teaching Acts class. This was a number of years ago. Back then, we had uh, phones in the classroom in case they needed to get a hold of a teacher or anything going on. And so all of a sudden, my classroom phone starts to, to ring. And I'm like, well, that's odd. So I go over to the phone. I answer it. It is the receptionist at the desk. This was pre-cell phone. I didn't even have a cell phone at this point in time. And uh, the receptionist in the lobby is calling my classroom to tell me that it's time. Louise needs to go to the hospital. It's time to have a baby. Uh, and I, so I, when she said it's time, I said it's time. And my whole classroom knew what that meant. They all cheered and celebrated it was time. And so class was canceled. Uh, I left, went to the hospital, and uh, we had a little baby. Um, well, history during the days of the Roman Empire arrives at its moment. It's time. It is the fullness of time. And at that moment, God sent forth his son. The promise had been conceived way back with Abraham and Sarah 2,000 years prior. The promise 
and narrowed down its focus on David and his dynasty and his throne 1,000 years before this moment. The promise seemed cut down and all seemed lost 500 years prior to this moment. Centuries after century after century of oppression. Where, where, where was God? And yet the promise hadn't been forgotten. And so now, in the fullness of time, God sends forth his son, born of a woman. And that's where the Christmas story comes in. At this moment in the story, when the lights seem to be going out and all seems to be forgotten and all hope seems lost and all seems dark, in this moment, God sends forth his son. And that's where Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 1, the well-known Christmas stories in the Bible, that's where they come in. That's where we get the little town of Bethlehem. That's where we get the shepherds watching their flock by night. That's where we get uh, the angels and we get the magi or the wise men. It all comes from Luke 2, Matthew 1. At this point in the story, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. And I don't want to give a full treatment of Luke 2 or Matthew 1 here. You can listen to my uh, audio commentary and the listener's commentary on Luke 2 if you want all the details of Luke chapter 2. But let me just hit a few highlights from Luke 2 and Matthew chapter 1 because they are the Christmas story. And we have arrived at this point in the story in the fullness of time. And so Luke 2 begins by reminding us where we're at in history. Uh, now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Who's Caesar Augustus? He's the Roman emperor. Uh, if you are familiar with your, your history, or maybe you read Julius Caesar as uh, a high school student or something, Caesar Augustus is Octavian from the story of Julius Caesar. He eventually, he and his forces eventually put down the, the rebellion and the civil war in Rome, and he becomes the emperor, Caesar Augustus. And a degree went out from him that a census should be taken of all the inhabited earth. Count all the people in the empire. Let's see how many people we have so that we know how many taxes to collect and what we can plan for. And a census was always an inflammatory time. It was a way of exerting control from Rome. And so a census should be taken of all the inhabited earth. And so they took a census. It was the first census that was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And this census required that people needed to return to their, their family town, their ancestral town where their family still had some property and some land. And so that meant that Joseph and Mary had to go up to Bethlehem because that's where Joseph was from. And so they traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which is about an 80-mile trip. It would take multiple days and they made this long trip. Now, one of the things that is interesting is we think we know this story from all our Christmas pageants and Christmas plays and Christmas cards. We think we know this story. And so we assume so many things. So we assume Mary's riding a donkey on this. There's no mention of a donkey and there's no mention of her riding this. We also typically assume that Mary and Joseph make this trip all by themselves. Highly unlikely in that day and age and in that culture. They probably travel with a whole group of pilgrims traveling throughout um, the the area for this census. And so they're going to travel in a group. Be that as may, they make the trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And while they were there, 
Luke 2, verse 6. Not when they arrived. Again, another little detail we think we know. It doesn't happen when they arrive. Uh, but while they're there. So they, they've gotten there. They've settled in. They're there for a little bit of time. And all of a sudden, the fullness of time happens. The big moment comes. It's time. Um, and uh, Mary's water breaks. And it's time for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in claws and she laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Again, uh, I think that's a mistranslation. You can listen to the listener's commentary for that. The word translated in is not the normal word for in. It's the word kataluma in Greek, which actually means guest room, uh, a place to stay. And the only other place that's used in Luke's gospel is in the upper room scene at the end of the gospel for uh, the Lord's Supper. We're talking about uh, a an upper room, an additional room, a guest room of some sort on a family home. And that was already jam-packed with people, probably others in the family who had come because of the census and were required to be there. So it wasn't a good place to give birth because there was just too many people packed into this area. So they did it in another part of the house and they laid Jesus in a manger. And that's where she she had Jesus. And the story continues then with the shepherds, right? And they're staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. They're terrified. This always happens when angels show up in the Bible. Is it's, it's, a, it's a frightful thing because they're powerful and they bring with them God's glory. And the angel said, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you, you got to listen to this in the context of the story we've gone We've looked at the last few weeks. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, that is Bethlehem, David's hometown, in the city of David. What's the big deal about David? Well, the promise had been narrowed down and focused on him that uh, there would be somebody to reign on his uh, kingdom, on his throne forever and ever. And that became the hope of the Messiah. And so in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ. That is the Messiah. The Greek word Christ and the Hebrew word Mashiach is Messiah, the anointed one, the King, who is the Savior. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. All this longing, all this waiting, all this hoping now is coming to fruition in this little one who's born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly army of angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among people with whom he is pleased. And so this angelic announcement and these shepherds there um, keeping watch over their flocks now they leave their sheep behind, they head down the hill, they head into Bethlehem, and since Bethlehem was a small town, uh, it would not be hard to find a place where a baby was born that night, and so they find this, they find Mary, they find Joseph, and they find the baby lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, they'd made known uh, the statement which they had been told about this child. Notice what they had been told. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. He's the one. And all who heard it were amazed about these things, which had been told to them by the shepherds. And Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. 
this little baby is the one we've longed for, prayed for, watched for, hoped for. This little baby is the ultimate fulfillment of the promise to David, and beyond that, the promise to Abraham. This is the one through whom all the nations will be blessed. Now, the Christmas story in Matthew's gospel picks up after all of this. It doesn't mention any of this. It actually picks up quite a bit later than all of this, and it tells what happens down the line, down the road from this. And so Matthew's story reads like this. Matthew chapter 2 says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, who's Herod? Whereas Luke focused on Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, Herod is the local client king who is ruling on behalf of the Romans over this region of their empire. And Herod fancied himself, he had enough kind of Jewish blood in his veins, he fancied himself as sort of like the Jewish king, the king of the Jews. Herod, by this stage in his uh, reign as king, has been reigning for several decades. He is a bit of a megalomaniac, and he's paranoid, and he knows he's not super well-liked. He's trying to ensure that when he dies, um, people are actually going to mourn for him, and so he actually put a an order for a bunch of people to be killed upon his death so that there would be weeping and mourning because he figured no one would actually mourn for him. I mean, he, so Herod is not a good guy, all right? He is a brutal king. He's a paranoid king. He, uh, right? And so that's who we're talking about, Herod, the local king ruling on behalf of the Romans, this region of the world. And so after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the days of Herod the king, behold, magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. And so these magi come from the east and they come to Jerusalem and they say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Well, when Herod hears that, um, that is like a threat to his kingdom. Like all his fears and paranoia are realized in the, this sentence from these magi these stargazers and wise men from the East, right? They, um, and again, we think we know the story. How many are there? We think there's three. We don't know that there's three. There's just some. The reason we think there's three is because of the assumption of the three gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Oh, so there must have been one gift for each. And that's how it became uh, three wise men. But we don't know for sure. They just arrive and, and they ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. And so somehow these magi from the east have enough understanding of celestial events and what's going on. Somehow God had arranged things just right and had this supernatural star. And they're like, a king has been born, a king of the Jews. And so they have arrived to worship him. Herod all his fears and paranoia are realized. And so notice verse three of Matthew chapter two, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. They're afraid because they know what kind of person Herod is and they know what such a threat might mean to him. And so uh, gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, Herod inquired of them where the Messiah was supposed to be born. This promise, this longing, this hoping of Messiah that was 
kind of on the winds of the air in the this time period in Judea and in Galilee among the Jews, Herod wants to know where is he supposed to be born? And so he asked the chief priests and the scribes of the people about that. And they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And he quotes uh, from one of the Old Testament prophets. And you, O Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For from you, a ruler will come forth who will shepherd my people Israel. It's from Micah chapter 5. We read that on an earlier episode in this series. And so then Herod, getting this intel about where Messiah was supposed to be born, calls for the, the Magi, determined from them the time the star appeared since they began their trip. So they saw the star and then they be planned and they began their trip. And so he wants to know when did the star appear? And so then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go search carefully for the child. And when you found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. But it's all a ploy. It's all a plot. He really wants to destroy the child. So now that he has a rough time period, that means he has a rough idea of kind of the age of the child. And after hearing the king, they went on their way, star guided them. They came and they found the place where the child was. And, and after they came into the house, notice that Mary and Joseph have been here for a while. They're staying in a house, living in a house in Bethlehem. Um, so to have shepherds and wise men and all of that at the same place at the same time, that's not the way the story went. The shepherds showed up the night Jesus was born. The, the Magi show up long after the fact. Uh, we do our nativity sets, right? And we put all those things together and they're in a barn usually. And as I noted, there, there probably wasn't a barn. It was probably a family home and they put them in the place where the manger was in the family home, which was usually the front part of the house because that was the, the most quiet part of the house during this crazy time period. At this point, the shepherds are gone. Um, we'll see that uh, Herod figures, okay, let's go for two years and down when he executes the baby boy. So it's been a year, year and a half or a little longer since Jesus has been born. He's a toddler now uh, and they're staying in a house. And when they saw the child with his mother, Mary, they fell down and they worshiped him and they opened their, their gifts, their treasures and presented to him gold and frankincense and myrrh. And after being warned, in a dream, not to return to Herod, like Herod wants to use you to destroy this child, the Magi actually returned to their own country and went by a different route. That's where we get Mary and Joseph also being warned by an angel saying, flee to Egypt. And so they flee to Egypt and Herod comes then to Bethlehem, kills any baby boys that are two years and down in his effort to try to get at the Messiah. But they made it out. And they got away and they fled to Egypt and they stayed there until Herod had died. Um, and things had kind of calmed down and they were safe. And then they returned back to Nazareth from there. So that's the whole Christmas story. When you put together Luke 2 and Matthew 2, the two great Christmas stories in the Bible. And it's in that context of those two stories that we sing songs like, O Holy Night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. It's the night when the angels appeared to the shepherds and they're told to go find this little one. And so they go into Bethlehem and they look for him. Notice how that Christmas carol goes on. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope 
the weary world or the weary soul rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angel voices, O night divine, O night when Christ was born. Now, we don't know for sure if he was born at night, but we know that on the night that he was born, angels came and appeared to shepherds and um, sent them on their way into Bethlehem. Or another one of my favorite Christmas songs, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King, Peace on Earth and Mercy Mild, God and Sinners Reconciled, Joyful All Ye Nations Rise, Join the Triumph of the Skies, With Angelic Hosts Proclaim, Christ is Born in Bethlehem. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. I mean, this these songs are echoing some of the themes we've looked at, this long hope of a promised king that was promised long ago. When will he come? And all seemed lost when the kingdom went into exile, but God didn't forget his promise. And the king now has been born in Bethlehem. Um, the second verse of Hark the Herald, right? Christ by highest heaven adored. Those are the angels. Christ, the everlasting Lord. Late in time, uh, behold him come. Think of that. Like they've been waiting since Abraham for 2,000 years, since exile, about 600 years. It's late in time. Behold him come. Offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Uh, think of the Apostle Paul's words about Jesus that in him all the fullness of God was. Uh, dwelt in bodily form, the incarnate God, the incarnate deity. This is what we celebrate at Christmas season. This is what we celebrate as the fulfillment, the initial fulfillment of Advent, all those centuries of waiting and longing and hoping, now fixed on this little baby born in Bethlehem, this little baby who is born for, sent for a specific reason. Listen to uh, the the, another verse of Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, Hail the Son of Righteousness, Light and life to all he brings, Risen with healing in his wings. These are Old Testament themes. Mild, he lays his glory by, right? He sets down his glory. Now he's just this little tiny baby born in a commoner peasant home in uh, Bethlehem. Uh, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. That's great theology, and that's what we celebrate at this time of year. And so, as you enter into Christmas in the next handful of days, may you celebrate what God has done in Christ, that these this promise, this small little promise given to an old man and his wife 2,000 years before the coming of Jesus through the twists and turns of history under the sovereign guidance of God now is born. That promise is fulfilled with the birth of this little one in Bethlehem. That's what we celebrate. That's what we sing about. That's what Advent is was initially about. And yet, as we will continue this series post-Christmas, we still wait. We still hope, we still long for Messiah to come and make all things new. And so we look forward to that. But right now we celebrate this, the initial coming, the initial advent of the Messiah 
The king has come. He's been born. And he's been born that man no more may die. He's been born to bring light and life to all. He's been born to reconcile us to God. Hey, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. May the Lord bless you and keep you as you celebrate. May you fix your gaze on him and all he's done for us in Christ. God bless you. I look forward to talking with you again next week.